Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome to the Triple Threat Theater Podcast. This is episode 51, What is Worst in Life? And I'm Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. <laughs> Didn't want to hello. join me in that, did hello. you? Hello, Arnold. <laughs> I mean, how many endless intros are you gonna, am I going to get tripped up and almost burst out laughing instead of uh, staying on point? So let's just <laughs> add this to the list. Fair enough. <clears throat> well, if you couldn't guess... Based on my uh, average impersonation just then. What is worst in life? Triple Threat Theater, episode 51. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, for one. Mm -hmm. But a specific set of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Mm -hmm. This is an idea I had for a podcast like years before Triple Threat Theater was even a thing. Amazing. (laughs) Um, uh, Was this a pretty early... Pretty early one on our list. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was up there in that first like batch. Because there was a time when uh, I was yeah, it was number six. Number six. There you go. Pretty early. So there was a time when um, on the sidetracked podcast, uh, I was doing a series of side projects, which you'll remember because you were on one where uh, I was watching Chuck Norris movies with different people mm-hmm. and reviewing them. You and I did um, Lone Wolf McQuaid, the best. It's thus far my favorite Chuck Norris movie I've seen. <laughs> so then I, I was thinking about like other similar kind of podcasts, and I think I pitched this to a former guest of the show, Tony Sedani, to mm-hmm. do um, three Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, like a review or a review at least a bunch of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that are considered, that are like later in his career and considered to be kind of not as good as his classics. <laughs> Putting it lightly, yeah. Because only I like to punish myself like that. (laughs) Right. So the three movies we're going to be watching are, excluding Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, the last three movies that Arnold made before becoming governor and not acting for like a decade. Mm -hmm. So we are going to be doing End of Days from 1999, The Sixth Day from 2000, and Collateral Damage from 2002. Leslie, I'm going to say you found a friend in someone who also likes to submit themselves to punishment. <laughs> we just, you know, we had to wrap it around this podcast thing, but, you know. Whatever makes the magic happen. Way back when, this so- this sounded like a great idea. It still does. <laughs> yeah, it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, when the concept for this podcast came about, it was only a matter of time before one of us pitched, like, oh, let's do three Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> but... You know, I I could have picked any three and had a good time. Three sci-fi ones, three comedies, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I guess part of the thing for me sometimes is I've I've only seen, I think, I think I've seen The Sixth Day twice before, but I've only seen End of Days and Collateral Damage, I think, once before each because mm-hmm. I didn't particularly like them when I saw right. them, like, back when they came out around uh, 
the year 2000. And it's kind of like me making an excuse to rewatch them and like give them another look. Right. So three uh, objectively bad Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. Turn of the century. Yeah. So with that said, I had seen, as I said, all of these before. How about yourself? Just the sixth day for me. Really? Yeah. I saw this many moons ago, not in the theater or anything, but I feel like I was on a, I feel like I, I think I was on vacation and for whatever reason had seen six, the sixth day. Mm-hmm. Uh, going in, I didn't remember anything about end of days made sense because I was like, by the end, I was like, oh, I don't think I actually ever saw that one. <laughs> so that, that would make sense. And then Claro's image, I'm not entirely sure I even heard of it. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Sixth day. That was really it. Very aware of End of Days. I feel like End of Days was like not not by any means like a big deal at the time, but it was uh, probably heavily marketed. Yeah. Like I feel like that's one people definitely would know of. Yeah, I don't think I saw any of these in the theater myself. They all would have been like library rentals back in the day. Because mm-hmm. ever since I was a kid, I mean, we've talked about it before when it comes to like action stars or whatever. For me, Arnold was always like the one. So, like, I didn't even see really any of the Rocky or Rambo movies, for example, until, like, high school or later. Mm-hmm. But Arnold, you know, between Terminator and Predator and stuff like that, been watching his movie since I was a kid. And I think over the years, even in, like, the 90s, late 90s, when, you know, his star began to fade a little bit, I still would, like, check out pretty much everything that came out. Not necessarily, again, going to the theater to see it, but... Yeah. So, yeah, saw all of these... Uh, remember having a good time with the sixth day, though it had been a long time since I'd seen it mm-hmm. and, um, didn't have super fond memories or super clear memories of the other two, but I don't know. I think this was an interesting experiment just because it's another weird little thing that, uh, I know we've talked about a little bit before where something about if it's like a really tight concept for a a trio of movies for the show if it's not just something like three movies with the same word in the title or whatever right something about watching a bunch of similar movies back to back Mm -hmm. i don't know if it necessarily somehow makes me enjoy them more or Mm. something but there's like i don't know something to having almost like homework of watching a bunch of similar type of movies. And then like, even without sitting down and discussing uh, like we're about to do, you know, the films like comparing and contrasting in my head and noticing similarities and things, mm-hmm. you know, I'll say off the bat that I had a more positive experience than I might've thought I would rewatching three Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that I didn't have the fondest oh. memories of. That's good. I mean, it's, you know, uh, Context is key, so. Yeah. And it's also a case of, you know, when these movies came out, again, like I said, Arnold had started to fade from the spotlight a little bit. He was maybe becoming a a bit of a joke. That whole, like, 80s action era was over, and maybe the movies he was starring in weren't as good or didn't Mm -hmm. have as good of premises or plots or whatever. And at the time, you know, we would have been in the middle of that. And that would have been like my mindset. But now it's been 20 plus years since some of these movies came out. And since I haven't seen them in so long and didn't remember a lot about them, it was almost like watching them for the first time again. Mm. And it's like, 
Now it's not like modern Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Now it's like, oh, these are old Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that I'm getting to experience essentially for the first time. I think that might have had something to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. So they're not, you know, they're not the classic 80s, early 90s stuff, but. now, I mean, going in, I was like, it just in my head, like, you're grading this on a curve, you know? An like, Arnold-shaped curve. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, these are like those movies, too, where it's be like. I bet someday I'll watch. I'll get around to watching those someday, you know, P- mm-hmm. particularly like End of Days and uh, Collateral Damage. But it's like, will I ever actually hit play? Nope. But <laughs> got a podcast. So, yeah, there yeah. we go. Um, I have a question. Uh-huh. Arnold Schwarzenegger related. What do you think is his last, last great movie? Um, Probably True Lies. Yeah. I was thinking That's- the same thing. Mid nineties, like ninety five, ninety six ish, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the the list ninety four. And after that, he would have done as far as like the straight up action movies. Like I don't remember where Jingle All the Way falls, but like Eraser, and then these three, right? And then Terminator close, close. Three. Uh, so it's True Lies in ninety four, which I say most people and us would say his last great one. Ninety six Eraser, ninety six was also Jingle All the Way. Mm-hmm. I think what really did him in. Batman and Robin in 97. Right, Batman and Robin. <laughs> then these three, then Terminator. Yeah. Then he had a seven-year jump to the Expendables. Mm-hmm. But even that, the first Expendables, he's in it for like two minutes. Right, right. But it's just But like his next like starring vehicle, like what I would call his return, would probably be the last stand. Last stand, yeah. Yeah. And then, so that was like him attempting to come back and do the same kind of movies he was doing before. I don't think that movie was super successful. It's not terrible, but it's also not particularly good. Yeah, in my I saw that one in the theater. Collection. Yeah, but then, you know, he's done a couple Terminators, but then he's been doing more stuff like that movie Maggie, where he's like a sad father mm. whose daughter is becoming <laughs> a zombie. Mm-hmm. Or I forget what it's called, but there's another movie he was in recently where like his wife died in a plane crash, and it's about him as, again, like a sad husband mm. like tracking down the like the guy who was in the control tower who fucked something up or I, I don't remember i would have never guessed this was even a movie yeah. aftermath yeah there there you go yeah i haven't seen it but i remember like seeing the previews i don't think i've ever even heard of this movie yeah so like that's more the stuff he's kind of doing now because you know he is he's up there in age and so the action stuff is yeah. going to be tougher for him now yeah even that, that was apparent in, like, Last Stand. I can remember them, like, cutting away when he would have been something they would have zeroed in on yeah. 20 years earlier, you know? It feels like Last Stand was them saying, all right, we can we can do it like we used to, and then very quickly realizing, oh, no, we can't. So <laughs> right, he's right. kind of veered away. Yeah. If nothing else, you know, I do think he can be fun and funny in comedies. Like, he should probably at this stage in his career just be doing comedies. Yeah. I know that they've, there's been talk forever of uh, Triplets, the sequel to Twins. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that ever happens, I don't know. But, like, I know that he enjoys doing comedies. I don't know if that's just not the kind of movie that anybody wants to put him in now. But Yeah. I'd have to agree. I'd say he's more better off doing stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, I even felt as I was watching some of these movies, like, I could feel like, oh, he's looking pretty old in some of these and looking mm-hmm. a little stiff. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was doing some reading 
I don't remember ever hearing about this, but I guess he had like a, like a heart condition and he had like heart surgery or something before end of days. Oh, yeah. And so like th- th- he had trouble getting a role for a couple of years there because he was like a physical action guy. And like the uh, studios were afraid of like the insurance on him if he had a heart problem in the middle of filming a movie or whatever. Oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, he was already kind of getting up there, I think. Because yeah. he was like in his 30s, I believe, by the time he like became a star in the 80s already. So by the year 2000-ish, he was probably like well around his 50s, right? Uh, had to be. I mean, he's 73 right now. Yeah. So So 20 years ago, he would have been I mean, about 50. Yeah, on end of days, he's 50-ish. Yeah, just something I noticed watching, uh, watching yeah. these again back to back to back. Well, by all means, we should just get right into it. Yeah, let's dive in. Uh, end of Days from 1999. You will never see the girl! Oh, you see, now you're upsetting me. You don't want to see me upset, believe me. Oh, you want to fuck with me? You think you know bad, huh? You're a fucking choir boy compared to me! A choir boy! You're in touch with your anger. I really like that. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have a drink. You and I are so much alike. Nothing alike. Nothing. Look at yourself. Look at this. Look at what you are now. You walked away from the light just like me. What one? You need to get out now. Come on. You know what's in your heart. We're on the same side. I'm not on your side. And I never will be. (laughs) What? You're on his side? He's the one who took away your family. Let me tell you something about him. He is the biggest underachiever of all time. He just did a good publicist, that's all. Something good happens, it's his will. Something bad happens, he moves in mysterious ways. You take that, that overblown press kit they call the Bible, you look for the answer in there. What did they tell you? Shit happens. Please. He treated you like garbage, you walked away. I'm not the bad guy. What about the end of days? Think of it as a new beginning, a change of management, and you'll be right there with me on the ground floor. It will be so cool. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you really want, and I'll give it to you. I tell you what I want. I want you to go to hell. So you knew of this, hadn't mm-hmm. seen it before. As watching it, like a lot of stuff, I must have just over the 20 years plus seen clips of it or something, because some stuff was like very familiar looking. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know any of the, like the broad strokes. I feel like the some of the imagery from like the, the climax I've seen before, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, I had aware of it, never saw it. This was the last one of the three I watched. I did mm. Sixth Day first, then Collateral Damage, then End of Days. I did think he looked most himself in this one, I thought. Even though you're saying like that's closest to when he had like a condition. But I thought, after watching the other two, I thought he looked most like his like classic self in this one. Yeah. I mean, in this one, I feel like, you know, he's playing... Well, I don't know. In Sixth Day... It feels more like one of his classic style action sci-fi movies. This one does feel a little different for him. 
Like in my recollection, I didn't even really remember any action scenes in this movie from the last time I saw it 20 something years ago. Mm. And mm-hmm. it is more of an action movie than I recalled, but I remembered it being more of like a, you know, dramatic, dark kind of wannabe seven kind of movie. Right. I remembered that he was sort of a detective. He's not really, but he kind of acts like one in this movie. He works for like a security company. Yeah. Um, I guess for anybody who doesn't know, Arnold and his partner, Kevin Pollack, which is a mm-hmm. weird mashup, the two of them, they work for a security company. And they're hired to protect this, like, Wall Street guy. Someone makes an attempt on his life. And then uh, Arnold becomes obsessed with, like, figuring out, like, solving the mystery of, like, why these people are after him. And essentially discovers that uh, it's the eve of New Year's on uh, the year 2000. And there's, like, some kind of biblical, you know, thing. Mumbo uh, Jumbo. Yeah, where Satan is going to try to come back to Earth and uh, impregnate the specific woman and bring about, like, the end of the world or something. Mm-hmm. And so Arnold gets tied up in that. Yeah. But, yeah, more more action than I remembered, like, right up front. Oh, yeah. That sequence where the assassination attempt happens on the Wall mm-hmm. Street guy. Yeah. And then, like, Arnold's hanging from a helicopter and... I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they kind of get right into it. Yeah, that was much crazier than I was expecting right away. And then it, it's less of an action movie than um, some of the others, but it still does have its, you know, its action yeah, scenes. I mean, more than any, I mean, I would still say they're all three of them are action movies from different degrees, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how much we talked about it even before, but like these kind of like action-y, fantasy-ish, sci-fi, whatever, like religious movies are like, I always like, I've always liked watching, Mm -hmm. regardless of how good or bad they are, you know? Yeah. So sitting down to watch this one, you know, end of days, here we go. Credits start, you know, you got like the hymn singing, (laughs) you know, you got that like late 90s, like dark credits, you know, it's just going, I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, this is like, this is, this is my jam, I'm ready, I'm ready. It's like, oh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger got me, yep, yep. It's like Gabriel Byrne. I was like, oh, he's Satan for sure. <laughs> Didn't yeah. even, it wasn't even sure what I was expecting, but I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, Kevin Pollack. Okay, give it to me. You know, cuts. I think it's like 1979, the Vatican. Uh, that's where they're going to figure out that the, the this girl's going to be born this night. You know, like Haley's Comet or whatever is shooting. I was like, okay, yes. Yeah, so, like, I'm on board. I'm on board. Yes. This is how I want this movie to start out. So, yes. Then before you know it, the baby's being born and somebody secrets it away into the basement of the hospital and yeah. Udo Kier is there and Udo does some Kier. kind of little like ritual where it cuts open a snake and oh, puts man. its blood on the baby. And yeah. I mean, the man, is this Udo's first time showing up on Triple Threat? Maybe. It may be because, I mean, Udo. I mean, what a name. What a guy. Yeah. Saw his name in the credits too. So I was like, that was more like hand rubbing. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, great that guy actor um, in genre stuff. Oh, totally. Funny thing is, uh, I was reading that he was originally up for the role of Satan instead of Gabriel Byrne, Mm -hmm. but uh, the producers didn't want both the star and the villain to both have, like, German-Austrian accents. (laughs) So they went with (sighs) Gabriel Byrne instead. (laughs) I guess I could could see that being a studio note. I would (laughs) have went with Udo, but... Yeah, at least he's in there. At least he's in there. Gets his head punched through. 
you know, and the later Pope on. is played by Hector Salamanca from Breaking yeah. Bad. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> was good. pretty crazy. Yeah, Mark Margolis. Uh huh. Pope's getting his Pope on. You know. Mm-hmm. Cut to current times. We got. I mean, what do we got next, Millsy? We got like a. I didn't at this point. I didn't know if he was like a ex cop with nothing to live for, but that's certainly how they sell it immediately. Yeah. So he's like his wife and his daughter are dead. Mm-hmm. You know, he's your typical just like unshaven. His apartment's a mess. You know, when Kevin Pollack comes to like pick him up for work, the first time you see him, Arnold's like about to commit suicide. He's like playing Russian roulette with like mm-hmm. the shades drawn. And then Kevin Pollack comes in and Arnold's like hung over from the night before and he makes a he blends together a drink for himself that's comprised of like coffee Leftover Chinese food, a piece of pizza he picks up off the floor. <laughs> Which is just like crazy, so over the top, like something Half on an airplane. And then yeah. he just fucking drinks it, and it's like, man, they are using movie shorthand to let you know exactly what you're in for in like yeah. 7.8 seconds. Oh, yeah. But then I, I was like, start, even at that point, I was starting to think, I was like, because we always like make fun of The Rock, you know, like nowadays, because like he's always starring in these movies and he's always got like some jobber to direct them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in my head, I was like, is that, did uh, Arnie, was he doing that too? You know, like besides like Jim Cameron and like earlier on, but like later on, I, I didn't like really look into it, but I had to imagine. Um, I don't think it's quite the same thing as The Rock, where it feels like The Rock is such a big star that he gets to choose his projects and choose the people that make them like the director mm-hmm. where it almost feels like he is actually controlling everything from behind the scenes. Cause he has like the director under his thumb because they're kind of like <laughs> nobody jobbers and mm-hmm. they get the work because of him and it's big movies that they'll make a lot of money off of Arnold. You know, he had a relationship with James Cameron, but it feels more like a friendship. Right. I mean, like later on, like these, these movies in particular. Yeah, I don't think he ever had anything quite like that. I mean, the director of this movie is Peter Hyams, who I would not call a jobber. Mm-hmm. He's the well, he's the guy who made Time Cop, which we talked about not too long ago. Oh, right. Okay. He did uh, Sudden Death with Van Damme. He directed uh, The Relic. Oh, so no, not at all. Yeah, he's like a actual director. I think he was the cinematographer on this movie as well. Yeah, I didn't really look into it. It was just like a thought I had. I was like, I wonder if this was like, you know, as he got later on, if he did the same kind of thing, but yeah, not to my knowledge, not. but yeah, you know, we, so we mentioned the backstory. They tell you a little bit later about, uh, Arnold's family getting, uh, killed, like they were killed in some, like a break in. Right. Or was it someone trying to get revenge on him? Nah, they didn't really say, I thought I had read, it said like contract killing, but it never really said. <laughs> yeah. Well, Millsy, did you notice who was involved in that? In that scene? Oh, I did. Talking like one of the one of the people who break in? One of those goons that breaks in. Oh, was it um yeah, uh Arnie's friend, right? Secundus. Yeah. Sven Ole Thorson. (laughs) Yeah. You'll see him pop up in a lot of these things. He's in at least one of the other movies we're gonna talk about as well. Uh, Oh, interesting, because I I balled him in this, but I didn't see him in the other ones, but yeah, he's in the beginning of collateral damage, like when the explosion happens that sets off the whole plot. He's just oh, like a guy, on. like in the crowd, I think. But I mean, he's personal friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He's in like a lot of his movies as either oh. a stuntman or just like a walk-on role. Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, Sven Ole Thorson. Thorson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Secundus, all the way back to Abraxas. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, so like when the movie begins and it's like really over the top with like the religious shit and it's like taking Mm -hmm. itself very seriously. Oh, yeah. And then the introduction of Arnold. I feel like there's only two ways you can go. You can either see that stuff and just roll your eyes and be like, this is so fucking shitty. Mm -hmm. Or you can just be on board for it and be like, all right, let's see how trashy we get. I mean, when it's these kind of like, especially like these kind of religious movies, I'm always in the ladder. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm ready for it. Yeah. I feel like in defiance of when I originally saw it and didn't like it, I was in the ladder camp this time as well. Mm-hmm. When I saw Arnold making that drink in the blender, I was just like, man, they are, they're laying it on <laughs> thick. Like <laughs> they know well, what yeah. they're doing. Uh-huh. And I kind of stayed in that ballpark the whole time. Like it's a really ridiculous kind of silly movie that takes itself a hundred percent seriously. Yes. Regardless of the fact that Arnold is the lead and the concept is so crazy and yeah, but I don't know. It something about it works. Like they don't. There's never a wink. Like there's never a chink in the armor. And so if you can accept it for what it is, mm-hmm. I actually ended up enjoying this one quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, I right, right there with you. I mean, when you got Arnold with a name like Jericho Kane, right? Around, Even the fucking name. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> dodge. Dodging demons and Satan and just, you know, he goes back to the security office to, you know, get plenty of weapons for the final battle. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. This is, you know, this is good. Yeah, the two the two leads are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Kevin Pollack. Their names are Jericho Kane and Bobby Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's oh crazy. Lord. And Funny thing that I read about this is apparently this movie was written specifically for Tom Cruise. Like, oh, I guess Tom Cruise was like on board and liked the premise. And so they wrote it for him, but he ended up making Magnolia instead. So Arnold ended up being in the movie. But like, can you imagine Tom Cruise in like the year like that would have been not super long after the first one or two Mission Impossibles, right? Mission Impossible 2 was probably around the year 2000. I think I was in high school when it came out. God, was Mission Impossible 2, like... I would have said anywhere I mean, it had that limp 97 to 2000. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think... uh, Like this movie, Mission Impossible 2 has limp biscuits in the soundtrack, so... (laughs) That put it in, like, the 98 to 2001 camp. Yeah, I mean, thinking about it now, actually, considering that uh, Tom Cruise was in... um, Mission Impossible 2 at this at this same time I guess I can kind of see it but this still feels like it would have been a real weird one for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Arnold, I don't know when it's something like goes to a different level when Arnold's in it cuz like he's so like I think he's not quite cartoony as as like a an actor but it's just like you know there's so many people in the world that just don't look anything like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So yeah. when he's there it's like you know, you could either, like, it's kind of like you said, roll your eyes or just, it, there's no way this is actually, it's just you know, like, is this serious? A lot of not? his movies, including this one, even though his family is dead when it begins, he's like a family man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, most family men do not look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and so, right, exactly. any movie where it's just like him hanging out with his family and he's like, oh, honey, it's just... <laughs> Right. It it automatically you, again you just have to accept what's happening yeah. or you're never going to be able to enjoy it. Like you're, you're like you're okay with how far these movies go past like the point of no return with exactly. logic because he's in it. But like thinking about this one, even not knowing that Tom Cruise was supposed to originally play the role, 
nothing about this movie screams this had to be or should have been Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. And I think he's fine in it, but yeah, it just it it seems like a weird one for him. It seems like it would have been a weird one for Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, he's he's Arnold being Arnold in this, which but he's yeah. less Arnold than most things. Like if you look so? I, I actually watched the sixth day first, and mm-hmm. in that movie it's just straight up Arnold doing his typical action movie Arnold, like again, like family man saving his family <laughs> kind of thing. And this is different in as much as his character is like so dark and brooding and uh yeah, and I mean he, I guess. He didn't it it feels like he's putting in a different kind of performance in this. Like I actually thought he was pretty good in like the dramatic stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. Cause it's less like scene chewing one liners and it's more just like, you know, dreary, dark and moody, <laughs> right. you know, it's a different, it was a different kind of film. And I think he did give a little bit of a different kind of performance. Yeah. I mean, we love Arnold around here. So it's true around these parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, I like a good amount of the action in this. Like you said, the opening assassination attempt on the banker. Yeah, with him hanging from a helicopter. And... I mean, he's hanging from a helicopter. <laughs> it, come to find out it's a priest with no tongue that's trying to do the, the shooting. <laughs> right. Like Again, it's, I'm like, yes, yes, give me more of this. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, so, was, you know, the, unfortunately, these movies, like, happen around the turn of the century. So there's, like, plenty of things they probably shouldn't have done with CG, but they thought it looked great at the time. Yeah. So there's plenty of that in this, but there are some practical things. I mean, they had a guy hanging in the sky quite a bit, either from, uh, I don't know, who knows, a crane or actually a helicopter at times. I don't mm-hmm. know, but um, yeah. yeah, they certainly get into it with the opening that and um, there's when they actually, when he's going after the girl, he beats up those other priests in her house. Right. There's some pretty good fisticuffs in that part. Mm-hmm. So I was enjoying that too. Yeah, and then later on when the uh, the adoptive mother, the the older woman, yeah. is possessed and he has to fight her, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. He's getting tuned up by an old lady crushed with a piano, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, so. Speaking of practical effects, um, the demon at the end mm-hmm. looks very CG. I didn't really find any information about this online. I know that Stan Winston created that thing. Like the giant demon when you finally yeah. see it. Because I saw his name in the credits too. So I was like, oh yeah, not expecting his name. So <laughs> Yeah. But then getting through the whole thing, I was like, was that what Stan Winston was? That's what he did with? was that one big creature at the end. But I'm wondering if it's one of those cases where they weren't happy with it. So they like CG'd the hell out of it because it didn't look super practical to me. No, I was kind of dumbfounded after I was like, but I, I know he made the real thing because there's like behind the scenes photos I've seen before online of it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I did. I didn't love the design of it. I was kind of bummed at that. And then just kind of not sure what, what his involvement was. Yeah. It's kind of generic and complicated looking, but yeah, overly complicated, like melty. There's like a few bits of like melty CGI, like, um, God, when Satan hooks up with, uh, Somebody's wife and daughter. I don't remember who was that in the movie. Remember that scene? Oh, it was um, Udo Kier's wife and daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they like they melt together. You know, yeah, like that some, part was kind of bad. Some, some bad CG. At one point, like uh, the girl, she has an apple, and like 
Arnold grabs it from her because it's got like maggots, but then they zoom in, it's like kind of people shaped mm-hmm. maggot things. And I was like, that's just unnecessary. You know, but they thought it looked good for 99. Yeah, all that kind of CG, like the the two women like melding together that you were talking about, it reminded me a lot of um, uh, the Pacino movie where he's yeah, Satan. Devil's Advocate. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, Devil's Advocate, like those parts where somebody would have visions and, and people's mm-hmm. faces would get all fucked up looking. You remember that oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what this reminded me of. Yeah, it just didn't look good, like unnecessary even. You know, mm-hmm. just it was enough to just, I guess, show him hook it up with a mother or daughter to like be weird and Satan-y. Yeah, but then it turned into that movie Society, and it was almost like they were shunting and morphing into one another. It was kind of weird. <laughs> yes, but I'm sure it would have looked better if it was in Society than this. Yeah, I mean, the, the special effects in Society are one of a kind, that's for it's sure. Something else. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, you know, it's 99. It's un- Like I said, it's un- unfortunate CGI that they were sure looked great mm-hmm. 20 years later. You're like, nope. Sure didn't, but yeah. I mean, it could have looked worse for sure, but could have looked worse. Yeah, it's it definitely sticks out like a bit of a sore thumb. This Arnold, uh, he goes and shoots up the cult meeting. Yeah, he's got that gun with those like crazy grenades, oh, like yeah. got incendiary grenades and shit. Got a subway battle like the end of uh, Resident Evil Two. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. with the the train crash and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where Gabriel Byrne jumps from one train car to the other, and Arnold <laughs> shoots him with the grenade launcher oh, in midair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like parts of his body are falling off at that point. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. brought it up. <sighs> oh shit. Yeah, um, it's it's weird. It like. Still in my mind, it doesn't register as an action movie. It registers more like along the lines of what Seven is, just like a dark mystery. But then every now and then there are like fucking people getting shot yeah. grenade launchers in midair. I mean, and, for me, yeah. I mean, Seven is a thriller. This is still action as, as dark and dreary as it is with the, yeah. the subject matter. But I mean, they, they have Arnold, so they definitely use him to his fullest in this, mm-hmm. it feels like. Yeah, for sure. One interesting thing about this movie is that uh, at the end, like Arnold, like sacrifices himself because he's been possessed, and he like leaps on that sword, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to be resurrected by God at the end, and oh. uh, but Peter Hyams, the director, thought that it would be a better ending if Arnold died, but the studio was against it because he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things like you don't want your like big leading man action star to die. Because maybe you want to do sequels and things. But uh, so Peter Hyams did that thing where, you know, the studio told him, no, no, we want him to live. And then he just filmed it both ways. Mm. And then it ended up testing better with test audiences with him dying. So he got his way in the end. And yeah, uh, Arnold does die at the end of the movie, which doesn't happen often with him unless he's a Terminator. I was going to ask because I was like, I was like, I got to ask Millsy later. Besides every single Terminator movie. How many have uh, Schwarzenegger died in? Uh, he does not die in Total Recall. He does not die in Predator. He does not die in True Lies. I, I mean, pretty much all of his movies, he's the good guy, so he wins at the end. Yeah, so I did think of that. I was like, I feel like this would be the only one that yeah. I could think of offhand. Mm-hmm. It's a little unusual in that way. So yeah. thank, thank, thank Peter Hyams for that. Good job, Hyams. <laughs> this movie... Originally, they, uh, I think Sam Raimi was attached for a little while, mm-hmm. and then Guillermo del Toro turned it down to do oh. something else. Interesting. 
I mean, if Sam Raimi or Guillermo del Toro were going to direct an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, I can understand why a studio would think this would be the one they should do. Yeah, totally. And uh, the other director that was actually attached to this for a while is a guy named Marcus Nispel, who I don't know what he had done at the time, but he went on to do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Friday the 13th reboots. Ooh. And he ended up leaving the project because somebody within the production released a 64-page manifesto to the press about his on-set demands, and then he, like, left the project out of, like, embarrassment. <laughs> oh. I feel like I could track that down. I would love to see <laughs> yeah. a 64-page manifesto <laughs> see what's on there. That'd be something. Yeah, along with uh, it originally being written for Tom Cruise, Liv Tyler and Kate Winslet both came close to playing the female lead that ended up being Robin Tunney. Hmm. Interesting. A couple years after uh, Titanic for Kate. Mm-hmm. And this is a fun factoid. End of Days is the last movie released on Laserdisc in the United States. Wow. <laughs> God. It's a little wild to think that Laserdisc was being produced that late cuz like you know I, I don't re- I don't know exactly when DVD began. I got my first DVDs in the year 1999. Mm-hmm. When I got or was it in 2000? Yeah, it was 2000 when I got my uh PlayStation 2 because it had a Blu-ray or a DVD player in it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. But like Laserdisc is something I didn't know about until like after it was gone. Like I never knew anybody who had a Laserdisc player. I'd never seen yeah. a Laserdisc as far as I know. But I remember in high school, so this was like 96 to 2000, in the building somewhere was a Laserdisc player on one of those like rolly carts with a TV. <laughs> yeah. But I never saw it in use. Or watched a Laserdisc. I just saw the machine. I was like, oh, that's a Laserdisc. Yeah. As far as I knew, (laughs) we went straight from VHS to DVD. I had no concept of a Laserdisc until like after they were out of production, I guess. To me, that's so weird because it's like if you tried to, if I had, if it was a question on like who wants to be a millionaire, like what were the years of production of Laserdiscs, Mm -hmm. I would use up every... (laughs) thing asking around because i would have no idea yeah well hell they just stopped producing vhs like a couple of years ago really yeah good lord i I remember reading about it when it happened it might have been like five six years ago now but yeah well into the 2000s they were still making jesus uh vhs tapes people really love holding on to that old tech huh mills (laughs) well i think part of it is like older people who don't want to move on to like a new I guess. Format, like my mother works at a library and used to talk about how, you know, people would come in and trade in or sell their like, uh, or or just donate like their VHS tapes that they didn't want anymore. And mm-hmm. it would primarily be old people like coming in and buying them for like 50 cents a piece. That's wild. I mean, it makes but, total sense, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah, I, I don't know the full details about Arnold's heart condition or whatever it was that I was talking about, but I know that I read about that. And like he he had trouble for like a year getting getting a role because uh, the studios were worried about the insurance. And then after he did like a couple days on this film, they kind of uh, relaxed a bit. But even considering that this was like later on in his heyday, mm-hmm. budget for this movie pretty high, a hundred million dollars. <laughs> really? Yeah, which sounds super high, but. <laughs> Box office take for this movie, 212 mil, so pretty good. 
Don't ask me where that money goes. <laughs> Both of those numbers are like pretty wild to me right now. Mm-hmm. That it would cost that much and it made that much. I mean, he, I always think of like after Batman and Robin, like everybody was having a hard time. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, pulling in two hundred million, I mean, that ain't bad. Mm-hmm. I can't. Where did the hundred million go? Unless I don't know. I mean, like, like you said, there was some CG. I imagine that Arnold still cost a pretty penny to star in mm-hmm. a movie at this point. But like Gabriel Byrne's not the biggest name in the world. Kevin Pollock couldn't have cost that much. So uh, um, I'm trying to think. So you said a hundred million. I'm just curious. That's what I read. Yeah, Wikipedia. I think. What are you looking at? Uh, inflation. Yeah, inflation. <laughs> hundred million in '99 is 158 million today. That's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, still a lot. It's a pretty expensive movie. Seriously. Yeah, one thing I did uh, actually really like about this movie, mm-hmm. kind of in contrast to The Sixth Day, which we'll talk about very shortly, is I thought this movie looked really good. The cinematography and just like the actual look of oh, the yeah. film and like the mm-hmm. color palette and everything. Yeah. It's a very dark movie. It's got like a lot of warm like oranges and reds and things. That actually makes a lot of sense. I thought the same thing. Like I said, this is the last one I watched. This certainly still feels like a 90s movie. Mm-hmm. Where far and away, the sixth day feels like a 2000s movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then like I, I actually took notice in the opening credits of uh, that Peter Hyams was the cinematographer on this one oh. as well. And yeah, I just, I got to hand it to him. I thought this yeah. movie, you know, for as corny and weird as it is and... It it looks really good. Like it's a very visually appealing movie. I thought, except for like the some of the spotty CG and stuff we talked about. Yeah, which you know, if this was, I don't know, four or five years earlier, you know, could be vastly different because of the CG. But mm-hmm. all things considered, no one's more surprised than me that I had such a good time. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed this one. When oh. I rewatched. I definitely turned around on uh, about- end of days. How about that, Millsy? How about it? That's it's why, it's why it's always worth revisiting, whether it be Triple Threat <laughs> Theater or not. There you go. <laughs> There's a, so early days of the internet, far before social media and everything, you know, a big thing I would be, a, you know, teenager and whatnot, would always get a giggle out of soundboards, of course. <laughs> Uh-huh. And, like, I still remember just, like, sitting and laughing at Arnold Schwarzenegger's soundboard. Mm-hmm. And, like, not knowing where so many of those things come come from. I'd be gladly to find out, like, your choir boy compared to be a choir boy is from this movie. <laughs> your choir boy compared to me. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, shit. A lot of religious puns in this movie. Oh, yeah. And, like I said, like, I get, like... Well, anything like fantasy religious, people don't want to go anywhere near. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm like, bring them on, please. <laughs> That's good to know. I'll have to oh, keep yeah. that one locked and loaded for later. I mean, I don't know where we're at for like the prophecy. Never seen those. Mm, Chris Walken. I should have. Yeah. Like not barely knowing much about those, but I just know that that's right in there too. Mm-hmm. So. All right. I think we can make a, a trio okay. out of that broad concept. Yes, please. And thank you. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to uh, our second day movie? Very ready. All right, from the year 2000, we have The Sixth Day. Well, well. 
Adam Gibson. I wish I could say the one and only. Looks like we both went back on our word, didn't we? You might find we have more in common than you thought. Where's my family? Right to business. An admirable trait. There they are. All safe and sound. For the moment. And you're seeing courting. It's not on him. It's not in his whisper craft. I knew you'd double-cross me, so I gave it to my clone. If anything happens to me or my family, the next time you will see your scene courting will be at your murder trial. <laughs> Dr. Weir didn't tell you, did he? Tell me what? Adam, Adam, Adam. He's not the clone. You are. So this one I had seen a couple of times before. Mm-hmm. And I remember like at the time people shitting all over this movie. And when I like rented it from the library or whatever and watched it, I remember thinking like, ah, oh, this movie's actually pretty good. Mm. Like it's, you know, your typical Arnold Schwarzenegger sci-fi action movie. Early-ish Michael Rooker appearance for me. I mean, he had been around for a long time, but like this yeah. is one of the first things I remember really taking notice of him in. I know him most from like uh, Days of Thunder, which mm. I used to watch a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, I didn't see Days of Thunder until after this for sure. <laughs> that was like first time him popping up for me. I would not have realized who he was at the time, but Terry Crews' acting debut. Yeah, his first movie. Mm-hmm. As Vincent. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Michael Rappaport. You know, he's yep. showing up in all types of movies around this time. You know, the most surprising cast member for Robert sure. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall, Bobby yeah. D. I'm not sure what he's done for sci-fi movies, but I feel like there's not a lot of them. Yeah, they originally offered that role to Gene Hackman, and he turned it down saying that the script was terrible. <laughs> so Robert Duvall, a little less uh, uh, concerned with that, just yeah. ready for a paycheck, I guess. But Seriously. Gene Hackman, not wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, He might have been onto something. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if it's just, like, if I... Felt the same way about six days. I did end of days where like I didn't really like it back then mm-hmm. and just kind of wrote it off. I wonder if watching it now, I would have had the same kind of response as I did with end of days and yeah. been like, oh, it's actually pretty fun. Like mm-hmm. I didn't remember a lot about it, but I enjoyed it. This one, because I had it in my head, I think that it was actually pretty good. Boy, did I have some problems with this Ooh. one. <laughs> Can I, I got to come out and say Millsy. I don't know who exactly to blame, but I'm going to throw, because I am uh, not smart and don't know for sure. I want to blame either the director or the editor. Uh Uh-huh. With me so far. With you. I do not understand this, like, kind of slow-mo, kind of weird, jittery camera thing Mm -hmm. that seems to happen... I don't even know what the, there's, I don't think there's a logical reason at any time that it happens. I don't like that in any movie. I know exactly what we're talking about. It's like. It is the most distracting thing. It's a version of slow-mo where it almost feels like they drop frames out. So it like, it's kind of blurry and it like jitters around. Another like distinct movie that it happens in 
that it always yeah. jumps out at me because I forget that it's there in between that I don't like is uh, it's, they do that in one part of the Peter Jackson King Kong. Like when you first see the like tribal people on the island towards the beginning, it's like a kind of a horror moment because they're all mm-hmm. like freaky looking. And it's the only part in that movie they do it and it sticks out like a sore thumb and I don't like it there either. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. I, and I don't know what's worse. If it's just once or throughout the whole damn movie, because it's terrible anytime it shows up. Yeah, so I don't often, in fact, I, I don't know if I've ever done this uh, for an episode of Triple Threat. Like, mm. I don't take notes, like, while I'm watching a movie. Like, mm-hmm. after the movie's over, I'll write down some things. I don't even, like, I'll I'll go online and I'll look up, like, other movies that the different actors and directors have worked on and the, like, tidbits that I bring up. But I rarely actually write down things that I liked or disliked to mention on the show because I figure I'll just remember. But I actually have in my notes a little section called stylistic stuff I hated. (laughs) (laughs) And the first one is, quote, the blurry slow-mo effect they used to emphasize tense moments. Because it feels like the opposite of what they would want to do, where... You know, I understand to emphasize like an action moment, doing it in slow-mo so you can see it more clearly and like add more time and tension to it or whatever. But in this movie, there, like almost any time something exciting happens, people are being chased or something like that, they do mm-hmm. this weird slow-mo thing, but it works against that feeling of built tension or whatever because the choppy nature of it, it just, I don't know, it sucks any like enjoyment or tension out of the moment. 100%. I mean... I mean, it sounds like outrageous to say, like, Borderline ruins the movie experience for me. Because every time it happened, I, like, rolled my eyes so hard. Yeah. Like, why is this happening? Who's Who decided this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I feel like it's a thing that used to happen back around that time. It was, like, a stylistic thing that just people did. Like, it was popular. I can't tell you why, but I hate it. <laughs> I, I, like, I just want to like see more of it like in a YouTube video just to see like how often did it come up? I know exactly what you're talking about with the other movie, but this one, I was like, it's just constant. Yeah. It's all the time in this. I feel like something that I watched not super long ago that it happens in as well. Uh, I think they use it during the like sports, like the football scenes in any given Sunday. I mean, there's a lot of weird, terrible editing and shit going on in that piece of trash, but that's definitely there's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know enough about how Oliver Stone does things if that's just like him or what, but I know exactly what you mean with that movie. Yeah, the other stylistic thing that I wrote down that I hated in this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it again just feels like a thing that like it feels like after the movie Fight Club. And mm-hmm. like that film had a very unique style to it. And it had like the scene where Edward Norton is describing his apartment and it like has all the Ikea text everywhere, you know, and yep. the opening of that movie has uh, like the camera that goes in and out through like a billion things. Mm. Everybody was trying to do shit like that at the time, just to like punch up their movie in this film, whenever they would transition from like one place to another, or one scene to another, there was this weird transitional wipe that they would do where it would be like cut to like a 
helicopter shot of the city at night. But instead of just that to give us a couple seconds of establishing where we are now, there would be these like white lines moving at different intervals, like across the screen. Mm. And like the, the yes. in between the lines it would be like zoomed in over here and zoomed out over there. Oh, and there would yeah. be like a drum and bass song playing over it. It's just fucking ugly yeah. <laughs> and obnoxious. I don't remember if that's something that's in, oh God, what's the Will Smith movie? Enemy of the State. Feels like something that would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's so, also yes. like a tech movie kind of right, where he's right. like, he's got some technologies running around with. Uh-huh. So yeah, there's a lot of stylistic things in this I don't like. So I watched this, I think right before End of Days, like I might've watched them like back to back even. Mm-hmm. And again, End of Days, I think, is a very nice looking movie. It's got like a good color palette and like interesting camera work. Oh, yeah. This movie just feels like somebody pointing a camera at brightly lit stuff. Like there's nothing yeah. special or attractive about the way it looks. It's just kind of bright and ugly, you know? Mm. Oh, yeah. It just feels it's like this movie is so like the year 2000. Yeah. 2001, like every, you know, there's like some fun kind of bits of like, you know, because what do they say? It's like in the near future. They don't give you the exact year, which is probably the the best idea. Uh, It's supposed to be set in 2015. Oh, is it? I don't remember, yeah, I don't remember seeing the gear. Thing come uh, I, I read that Arnold says that on a DVD featurette. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. So if you that can trust sense. him, this movie took place like seven years ago. <laughs> There's like some like random like fun bits of like tech stuff, but then like every computer screen you see is like that terrible like blue gobbledygook like just things or, moving constantly. Things moving like all these like kind of like weird organic shapes of like windows and screens and stuff. It's just like oh, it's just like every movie back then looked like that. Yeah, it's just funny like at the time, that probably would have all worked fine and seemed like futuristic. But now that we are like further in the future, looking back on it, it's just like, oh yeah, can, we really thought that computers would look like this. Like Seriously. it's the same thing as like watching Hackers ten plus years later, and oh, everything yeah. was like bright colors and like skulls yeah. and flames right. floating around, and like yes, angel fire sites used to look like that, but nothing say. does That's anymore. What, yeah, they thought everything would like move and animate like an angel fire website. Yeah. So terrible. But it's kind of funny to think even like once upon a time, like the early days of DVD, I thought Mm -hmm. it was cool when they had like animated menus and like there were things where you'd have like little games and interactive featurettes and things. And back then it was like novelty. Like I thought it was kind of cool. Nowadays, if I'm ever watching an older DVD, I'm just like so angry and just like get me to the next fucking thing I want to watch. And it kind of feels like the same thing. Like at that time, we thought if you clicked on something on a computer, people would want to see it spin around and zoom in. And and nowadays we're just like, everything should just be white and clean. White and clean. Like, just give me my buttons. Let me click everything now. Like, or or just play. You like every DVD. It's like, just play. Don't give me a menu. Just play. You know, I'll I'll go with a pop-up menu if I need to. I'm okay with a menu, but if it's that kind of thing where it like. 
This DVD might have even had something like this where the menu is supposed to look like one of these fancy computer screens. So it it takes like a minute and a half when you first start Mm -hmm. up the DVD for it to do an animation before you can even press anything. Yeah, see, I, I want that auto start. And I was like, start right in. I'll, I'll do a pop-up menu. <laughs> I don't want any menu, period. But yes, those ones in particular, it's like, they got to be flashy. Yeah. No thanks. Speaking of kind of the futuristic nature of the movie, though, um, I did think it was kind of interesting as I'm watching it. There's a lot of like futuristic ideas and things that at the time in the early 2000s would have seemed pretty far out, but have in a manner mm-hmm. of speaking actually come to pass. So there's cloning animals, obviously, which, you know, they start out talking about Dolly the sheep in the opening credits. So obviously cloning of an animal had taken place beforehand. But like as recent as like a month or two ago, I think I was talking to you and like Joel and Tony about this. Maybe I found out recently that you can actually get your pets cloned. Like that's a real thing Mm. nowadays. Don't quote me, but I feel like Barbara Streisand or something has like three clones of one dog. Or yeah, I was just thinking it's like Cher or Barbara Streisand or something has like four of the same dog. <laughs> right. Um, like it's literally a cloned dog and like you can do it. It costs a lot of money. But like this movie has the concept of the repet where if your pet dies, you go get it cloned yeah. and your kid it's, will never know the difference. It's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> so like when I saw that, I was like, man, just a couple months ago, I, I learned that that's a real thing. Mm hmm. Self-driving cars would have seemed like a far-fetched thing of the future, yep. but we yep. are having the beginnings of that now. Mm-hmm. We got like funny kind of helicopter jet things, which are all throughout this whole movie. Yeah. I mean, that kind of ties into the idea of aerial drones, because one of the plot points mm-hmm. is that Arnold mm-hmm. has that little armband thing he can control yeah. a plane with, and it works into the plot a couple times. And I mean, drones yeah. are mm-hmm. all everywhere you look now. And uh, the other thing that was kind of small, but I was like, I don't think this existed back in the year 2000 when this movie came out, but it totally does now, is in Arnold's family home, they have a refrigerator Mm. with a screen on the door that has like the news and plays television, and it Mm -hmm. tells you when you're running low on something, and you have the ability with a press of a button to order more food, like all those things you can do. Like you can order food, you can watch TV on your fridge. Uh, Mm -hmm. there's like certain refrigerators that claim to be able to tell you when you're running low on shit. Yeah. So I don't know. There's some little things like that where I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give you some props six day. (laughs) Yeah. Like as, as like a car guy, I'm always on the lookout for like car stuff in like futuristic movies. And they, there's like some random stuff in this one. You always, sometimes you always see like some random concept car or, they showed a couple times like this futuristic looking like taxi cab thing. Mm-hmm. The bad guys are like driving around in like suburbans, but they do like one thing, which is kind of like a low fi version, but they just put like those big like disc things over the wheels. It's almost like a, just looks like a futuristic like hubcap that covers like almost the whole wheel and tire. Mm-hmm. And they, they do that on a lot of cars and then they kind of all make them sound like kind of electric. So they have like a, a yeah there's a lot of that in this one but uh yeah yeah that kind of stuff i always like am on the lookout for mm. as for the actual plot of the movie mm. i gotta be honest i'm a little fuzzy on how and why everything happens so essentially they have cloning and the main mm-hmm. bad guy who feels like he's supposed to be like a uh like a Steve Jobs, but evil kind of guy. Yep. He works for this company and he wants to 
be able to clone humans because Which there's is like, outlawed. Yep. Yeah, he sees that there's like money in it, but it's been outlawed and they never exactly explain why it's been outlawed. It's referenced that like, oh, well, you remember what happened when they tried to clone a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they never say exactly what did happen. Like, did it go on a rampage and kill some people or like what yeah. happened? We don't know. No, they just don't. But essentially, cloning of humans is outlawed. And this guy has been like secretly doing it behind the scenes, like a football player who it's funny that uh, this movie was made during the one year that the XFL was around back yes. in the day. So the XFL is the football league in the movie. <laughs> so it's like I, I seeing that I was like, I don't know who paid who. To have the XFL in this movie? (laughs) That's a very good question. But Uh, so there's a football player who like, he's a star football player and he like breaks his neck in a game. And mm -hmm. so they shuffle him off before anybody can see that he's like very badly injured. And then they have grown him like a new body. And so they can replace him. Which isn't too far off from something like the movie The Island, the Michael Bay movie. Correct. Where it's about growing duplicates of people. So if like you have... Like a like your liver fails, then you can mm-hmm. cut the liver out of your clone. Right. And they talk a little bit about that in this, like being able to grow replacement body parts. Of course, that concept uh, was ripped off from another movie called Parts, The Clonus Horror, which was like a low budget. God damn, what a great name. <laughs> sci-fi movie <laughs> that uh, they riffed on an old episode of MST3K. And when The Island came out, the guy who wrote and directed Parts, The Clonus Horror sued Michael Bay and won. Mm. I was going to say, I remember like him getting sued for that. I didn't know what it was from. I <laughs> yeah. love even more that it's a MST3K. Some random guy. He made like this shitty movie nobody ever saw, got made fun of on MST3K, and then he like made money off of it because he was able to sue Michael Bay for stealing oh, his idea. That's amazing. But um, yeah, so this movie deals with like all that stuff. And then I guess somebody like there's, there's kind of like uh, these activists who mm-hmm. don't want cloning of humans to happen so they attempt to assassinate the steve jobs kind of guy yep who what was his name in the movie um Oof. michael drucker. drucker yeah yep so they try to assassinate michael drucker and then everybody who was present when they assassinated him now also has to be killed and replaced with a clone because nobody can know that he died because since they're replacing him with a clone, anybody who saw him die would know that he wasn't the real him. Well, no, all the guys that were there died. Like the, through that like uh, activist guy killed everyone on the helicopter. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just that they were. So yeah. then Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Rappaport co-own like a company where they will take you up on a helicopter to like remote locations so you can go skiing and shit. Mm-hmm. Arnold was supposed to be the pilot for this Drucker guy, and he swapped places with Michael Rappaport because it was like his anniversary, birthday. his wedding anniversary or something, birthday. his birthday. So they planned to clone and duplicate Arnold, but then it turns out he wasn't actually there, so now there's two Arnolds running around because the first mm-hmm. one never died. Right. It's kind of weird and convoluted and... It's very, it's overly complicated. The movie's like a little bit too long and too complicated. Yeah. But my question for you, Millsy. Uh-huh. To you, how obvious was it that the Arnold we were following around was the clone? I mean, as sure as, as soon as he shows up in the taxi cab, I'm like, this has got to be the clone. 
I mean, that only makes sense, but I think I was so confused about why there was even a clone in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't until the very end of the movie when they actually like, explained it that I figured it all out. Because most of the oh. movie, I was sitting there thinking, why are there two Arnolds? Like, what is the plot here? <laughs> like, I was not following it very well. Like, I, I found myself confused. So, like, yeah, it makes sense that the guy who wakes up and has no memory would have been the clone. Well, it's like, yeah, they just, like, they say Arnold's, like, switching spots so he can go get a, I don't even know. I don't remember if he just go to his birthday party. But then he's all of a sudden, he's, like, wakes up drunkily in a taxi cab. I'm like, oh, so this has got to be a clone, right? <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, it's like... So it's like, I don't understand, I guess, you know, like I said, it's so overly complicated that I guess that maybe was the point to trip people up, but mm-hmm. I was definitely like, what was this? What are they doing? How far are they going to go with this clone? But sure enough, they, <laughs> they keep it going. It's funny. I was just, as I was thinking about Michael Rappaport's character, something else that they sort of kind of predicted is uh, his like sexy virtual girlfriend in his Mm -hmm. house that's like a hologram Mm -hmm. oh yeah like that doesn't exist but he has this special chair where he sits in it and these goggles come over his face so it's kind (laughs) of like vr oh yeah and then like the chair has like sensors or something in it where it can actually physically manipulate your body so whatever you're seeing on the screen you're feeling as well yeah and not to get too into that but devices like that exist (laughs) oh yeah so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's something else that they kind of predicted. They, they, I mean, that's good or bad. That's like a, stuff I always like to see in a sci-fi movie is like the f- ideas of the future. Yeah. So this does have quite a bit of it. Well, hell, there's a, like even a better, great version of kind of what we're talking about in Blade Runner 2049. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's like one of the best parts of that movie is that character mm-hmm. and that whole yeah, thing. The, and The joy. Yeah, his apartment. Words. It's a lot of running around. I mean, there's a lot of Arnold running around here thinking his real self is the clone, of course. Because why wouldn't he think that? I think right along with the fact that I was kind of confused and not with it, I didn't find the plot super compelling. So even though it's like someone running around, like being chased by people and punching people, Mm -hmm. I wasn't invested in it. And whereas I was saying about End of Days, it felt like Arnold was actually playing a character. Like it felt like he was stepping out of his comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. In this, this felt like Arnold on autopilot, just kind of smiling and mm. saying bad one-liners from time to time. Which is fine if the movie's good, but I don't particularly think this one is. <laughs> I mean, again, grading on a curve... You're right. Like, it's a perfectly easy thing to just sit down and put on and be like, okay, it's Arnold in an action movie. But comparing it to, like, all of the rest of his filmography, it's pretty low on the totem pole for me. Without a a doubt. Like, I would think the closest comparison for this movie would be, like, Total Recall. Because it's in the future. There's, like, a lot of future concepts Mm -hmm. in sci-fi. And that movie, it's like... This movie, there's literally two Arnolds. And it's like, which one is which? That movie, it's... One Arnold, but it's like, you know, is he in the fake like reality or is it actually right. him in his in his mind or whatever? So those two movies are pretty similar. But the difference there is this was directed by Roger Spottiswood, who no one's ever <laughs> heard of. And that was directed by Paul Verhoeven. Like right. that movie had a style. And even yeah. without all like the sci-fi concepts, it looks really good. And the action scenes are memorable because they're so fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. And it has great one-liners like "see what the potty Richter." Yeah, 
Like <laughs> this one, the best one-liner was, "You should have cloned yourself before you died so you can go fuck yourself," <laughs> which is funny. But which, I mean, I was actually in tears laughing because it's so crazy and how he delivers it. I yeah, mean, it's just it's so Arnold. It just felt like a lot of work for a one-liner. Like it wasn't a one oh, little yeah. quick thing. It was oh, like a no, setup. No, no. <laughs> yeah it was like a setup like comedy act and then it comes back like, later where parts. he's like uh you know when i told you to fuck yourself i didn't mean literally <laughs> <laughs> oh, but shit. i kind of like the gang of henchmen i do you've got michael rooker who's always fun terry cruz who doesn't have a lot to do in it but it it was fun to see Terry Crews. I had completely forgotten he was in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the woman, I don't know her name, Sarah Winter? Winter, yeah. You know, she, you know, at least is visually distinct with the hair and she's got like an attitude. Yeah. And then the dude who I could have easily mistaken for Steven Dorff at any time, who was like the fuck up of the group. I did the entire movie. I was like, I know it's not Steven Dorff, but it's trying <laughs> to be Steven Dorff. Yeah. Rodney Rowland, whoever the hell that is, but uh like I like them. I think that uh Tom Goldwyn or Tony Goldwyn, whoever that is, as Michael Drucker, mm-hmm. uh like the Steve Jobs esque bad guy, I thought he was like a good bad guy. Yeah, he's like kind of a that guy actor too. I feel like he's been in a thousand things. Yeah. But yeah, I liked him. I you know, Rob, Robert Duvall brings something to it. I mean, yeah, he didn't necessarily be, like, phoning it in. I mean, it was Robert Duvall. Yeah. But then even, like, the big climactic action feels like there's a little too much going on, and it's, like... It's really just, like, a big gunfight, which isn't, yeah. like, all that enticing, really. He's, like, setting up thermite, and he's hiding in a, like, the big vat of yeah. cloned bodies. Yeah, it's, like, a lot of just running around, a lot of shooting. They got, like, a future gun that they use... Quite a mm-hmm. bit. That shoots like steam out the sides or whatever right. whenever they fire. It's mm-hmm. kind of dumb looking. <laughs> when Drucker like puts himself, his consciousness into the clone that's not quite done cooking yet, that was kind of neat. But I feel like, again, comparing it to something like Total Recall, imagine if Paul Verhoeven had done that yeah, scene. Totally. How much grosser he would have looked. Oh, yeah. In this, he's just kind of like bald and slick. Well, he's kind of nasty because it was weird because he only had like he had like one fully formed ear, then the other mm-hmm. side of his head was smooth. I mean, he looked like kind of like translucent and gross. But it could have been could have way been. cooler looking. Could have been way cooler. And plus, that whole part once they start showing like half grown clone, like uh, I don't know what you call them, like just waiting to have like a person imprinted on them. Yeah, just made me immediately think back to Judge Dredd and how we. We didn't get to see anything. And I, even though I saw this movie, I didn't remember nearly a damn thing about it. And I was like, oh, are we going to get like nasty clone fights here? Like a half cooked clone battle? But not really. No such luck. He did. So we got that. Yeah. And then like the whole shit at the end with uh, controlling the helicopter with the remote Mm -hmm. control thing. And then the two Arnolds hanging on to one another. And I don't know. It just, it's not great it's overly complicated like it didn't i mean as soon as they they show him with the remote control thing in the beginning i was like well of course this is going to come up later somewhere and it Mm -hmm. does but still feels like unnecessary it's just like so much it's just like overly plotted Mm -hmm. you know 
not to say I hate it. I mean, I hate it. Watch because it's it's Arnold. So it's like I had some laughs. I liked the goons, like you said, like Rooker and his crew. Every time they tried to get the drop on Schwarzenegger, and he, you know, blow one of their legs off or mm-hmm. you know snap one of their necks. You know, they're gonna go back as a clone again. Like, yeah, some of those bits I enjoyed. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't anything like his other action stuff. Yeah, there's some good ideas and things in it. I don't think it's like the worst thing I've ever seen. But no. It just feels like it's halfway to being a really mm-hmm. good sci-fi action yeah. movie. And again, it's not helped at all by the guy who directed Turner and Hooch who directed okay. this. And if it's his idea for that speed ramping, whatever the hell I would call it, Ugh, slow-mo yeah. stuff. I mean, that's just, it even just makes it feel like low budget for some reason. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot wrong with this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. Yeah. Things of note. Um, Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr. of an Amalgamated mm. Dynamics did the special effects. Okay. Uh, like the practical stuff, like the clone body and everything. Yeah. Uh, acolytes of the aforementioned Stan Winston. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson was considered for the lead villain role as Drucker, but, oh. deemed, uh, but he was deemed too expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because the next tidbit I have here is Arnold's salary for this movie. Hit me. $25 million. Oh, boy. So more than a quarter of the $82 million budget went to Arnold for this. Damn. How much did it make? Unlike End of Days, it did not pay off. The movie made $96.1 million. So it made less than $10 million over what it cost, which after like uh, advertising and everything. Oh, yeah. This movie lost money. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. Kevin Costner turned down the lead role. Okay. I was trying to think after I watched it, like, would this have been a better vehicle for Kevin Costner than Arnold Schwarzenegger? I don't necessarily know if it would have, but Costner did have some weird stuff like Waterworld and Postman in his filmography. Yeah. So it seemed like he was always game for like the mm-hmm. sci-fi stuff. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, finally, Joe Dante was originally oh. going to direct this movie at one point. All right, Joe. So could have been certainly could have been better than Spottiswood. Oh yeah, easily Joe Dante behind the helm of this thing would have been mm-hmm. better than Robert Roger Spottiswood, <laughs> director of Stopper. My mom will shoot, Oof. and tomorrow never dies. <laughs> oh boy, the hits keep coming. Yeah, and written by uh, the husband and wife team of Cormac and Marianne Wiberly. These all sound who, like made-up names. <laughs> who gave us Charlie's Angels 2, Full Throttle, Oof. Bad Boys 2. I know you have a soft spot for that one. <laughs> National Treasure and National Treasure Book of Secrets, both of which I think should be wiped from the planet Earth. Oh. And uh, The Shaggy Dog, the movie where, is it Tim Allen turns into a dog? <laughs> oh, I'm not aware of that one. And uh, G-Force, the, like, CG, well, I think it's live action, but it's about, like, gerbils that are good lord, super spies or something. And the Waberleys, not messing around. Yeah, so, like, looking at that lineup, you can see why this movie maybe could have had a better script and some better concepts. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so the sixth day, unlike End of Days, it definitely dropped off a bit for me this time. <laughs> I, did, I did not love this one this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, final film? Please. 2002 gave us the release of 
collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Stand down! What we've got here is a great American! God damn you, Brandt. I was your excuse to kill all these people, huh? You're here to murder a man, right, Mr. Brewer? Well, I'm trying to save a country. Keep its poison off our streets. By killing innocent women and children? I fight terrorists with terror. What terrorists? The wolf isn't even here anymore. He's gone to Washington to blow up another building. What do you mean, where? I'll tell you. As soon as I'm on a jet heading home. And they're gonna come with us. Because this is his wife and his son. And she's the only one that can identify the target. So this one I had seen, uh, similar to End of Days, did not think very much of it back when I saw it. Also similar to End of Days, I didn't remember much in the way of action from the movie. So in my recollection, it was like more of a, like a political drama than an action film, which turns out isn't really the case. Hmm. And the, the standout thing that I could have told you about this movie, aside from the fact that it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, is that this was one of like three or four movies that got its release date pushed back because of 9-11. Oh, okay. So this was originally supposed to come out in October 2001. Oh, a month later, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's about terrorism and a bomb is blown up on mm-hmm. American soil and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. So 9-11 happens. It didn't get pushed back that far. It came out February 2002. Yeah. And there was a scene removed from the movie in which uh, the villains in the film are Colombian. Mm-hmm. And Sofia Vergara, who is Colombian, played a part of a character who hi- attempted to hijack an airplane in the movie. Mm. And that sequence was cut. Oh, okay. Uh, the one other movie that I know of for sure that was pushed back because of 9-11 was uh, Phone Booth because of like the... Mm kind of terroristy yeah, yeah. events sniper situation right right but there were maybe two or three other ones as well but that yeah. that's what i could have told you about this movie mm. i did not remember much of anything about this i went in completely blind i saw the poster and i was like oh it's helicopters we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah not a clue going in so basic idea here is Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a firefighter and his wife and young son are waiting for him to come pick up the son so the wife can go to work uh, in like a public place. And he's a little late getting there and a terrorist blows up the spot that his family is in and they die. He happens to have spoken to the terrorist unknowingly right before the bomb is set off. And so he goes in and like meets with the CIA or something, FBI, whatever. He like talks to them and basically is like keeping tabs on what they're doing to find the guy. And he's not satisfied with the job they're doing. So he decides to invade Colombia, hmm. <laughs> like one man invasion to track down and kill the terrorist who was responsible for his family dying. Right. El Lobo. Yeah. <laughs> El Lobo. <laughs> the wolf. Who was played by Cliff Curtis. Who's a, that guy actor who's in a billion things. Oh yeah including Deep Rising from our first episode of Triple Threat Theater. Oh, look at that. He's one of the, like, badass guys with those Uh ridiculous machine guns. Oh, yeah. I remember. Uh, Yeah, so uh, having never seen this one before, uh, 
What was your take? Um, well, Mills, I feel like was this movie only made because Schwarzenegger was in it? Uh, that I cannot say. Potentially an unanswerable question. I don't know. (laughs) It felt like to me watching it, and by the end, I was sure this was like the most formulaic movie that Schwarzenegger's ever been in. Oh. Um, yeah, I wasn't into it. I thought, uh, at times I felt like it was barely an action movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely not the same type of yeah. action movie as something yeah. like, uh, six day. I mean, I watched this in the middle, so I don't even it, like how I felt about this movie actually like made me enjoy the end of days more because at least like Arnold was doing actiony things mm-hmm. because of collateral damage. I feel like. There's an action bit in the beginning with the explosion, which he's not really like involved in in any like traditional action sense. I mean, he goes to the jungle. The CIA comes. You know, they blow up that cocaine farm or whatever. That whole time, Arnold's on the run through the woods with El Lobo's wife and kid, like running from the action rather than being mm-hmm. part of it. You know, I mean, it it ramps up a little bit action wise in the end. In the uh, climax. <laughs> yeah. With the axe throw. Uh, the axe throw. But um, yeah, I walked away from this like pretty underwhelmed. I, not that Arnold's terrible in it, but I just think mm-hmm. like story-wise, script, just general reason for existence. I feel like this was like one of the most like formulaic things I've seen in a long time. Fun fact. Mm. Arnold never fires a gun in this movie. Yep. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. (laughs) So it's funny, like, you know, I guess a lot of the time Arnold will play like, you know, he's ex-CIA or ex-FBI or ex-special ops, or Mm -hmm. he is like a mercenary and like predator and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But even the things like, uh, like if you look at Jingle All the Way, which very different kind of movie from (laughs) Mm -hmm. this, he's like a businessman, works in an office. Like there's no reason he should be fucking jacked the way that he is. Right. But you just kind of accept it because they wanted Arnold to be in the movie. And, like, even that movie, it's not, like, an action film, like, beat-em-up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess an example, a good example of what I'm thinking of would be The Sixth Day. Did they ever say, like, he's ex-Special Forces or something in that? They make, there's, like, one or two basically throwaway lines about, like, some war. And I think he was, like, a pilot in some war. Okay. But like in that movie, he he's a pilot for hire. He owns sure. a business where yeah. they like chauffeur people around in these little planes. Right. Right. But you know, then he's just like, you know, happy go lucky dad. And then mm-hmm. when he has to be able to kick ass, he can because he's huge. Right. And this movie, it's almost like it goes the opposite way. Where like, you know, firefighters don't have to look like bodybuilders, and in fact, most of them don't. But at least it's like a physical, like heroic job that he mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of get on the side of like, okay, I I can accept that he's huge. But they go the other way with the rest of the movie where him being huge isn't an excuse for him to be able to like overpower a bunch of people in fights because he doesn't do that. More so in this movie, he like uses his knowledge of fire. Right. Almost in like a backdrafty way where he's like setting booby traps and, mm-hmm. and things. And he's not like full on fighting people. They, no. like you said, they kind of fall back on that at the end where he has like a final confrontation with the terrorists right in that building that they're trying to blow up or like blow mm-hmm. it 
But um, yeah, it's not your conventional, typical Arnold action movie. There's like action, there's chase scenes, and there's tension and suspense. But it's not like fisticuffs and shootouts. It's like every day, it could be like every day actual like action that could be happening. But when, when yeah. it's a movie for Arnold Schwarzenegger, it feels like the just a bad idea all around. Yeah, I mean, Arnold, I think, is fine in it. Like, yeah. it's it kind of feels like that role. It's like he's either just like stone-faced badass, happy-go-lucky dad, mm-hmm. or my wife and family is dead and I'm sad about it, which, as we kind of talked about early in the show, is more of a thing he does now mm-hmm. with, like, m- that movie Maggie or even End of Days later in his, yeah. you know, original heyday. Or that movie, uh, what was it called? After After Aftermath. Aftermath, yeah. Where his family dies on a plane. Mm-hmm. So like I think he's fine in it. Did it need to be him? No, it could have been anyone like this once upon a time could have been like a good Harrison Ford vehicle kind of thing. But uh the th- uh, once again, similar to my experience with End of Days, I did not remember the movie fondly, in fact remembered it being bad. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it this oh, time. Boy. Like I found myself, it's it's very surface level ridiculous, and it's you know not subtle <laughs> in any way at all. Mm-hmm. But I found myself like on board with it and like oh. into the plot and wow. like the story, almost in a, in the opposite way of the sixth day where I just found it like confusing and I wasn't on board with it because mm-hmm. I didn't really care about the plot. I mean, it's simple to say like terrorists blow up wife and child yeah now i'm i'm going to get revenge on my own which again completely preposterous but like i found myself engaged with this one even though it wasn't like punching and and shooting as much i mean you know i don't feel like we get on each other's cases about how we feel about movies on this show gladly (laughs) Uh and i'm not going to do that today but i just okay i don't see it because it's just to me this was like this was boring i was bored with this movie yeah, see, I kind of feel like that's the way I was back when I first saw it. Like, I didn't yeah. remember a lot about it and just thought, like, this isn't an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> right, which is how I felt. Definitely coming away. And yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I, this didn't have to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. This could have mm-hmm. been, like, yeah. any anybody as the lead in this and potentially would have made more sense to have somebody who isn't Arnold. But Arnold notwithstanding, because I just like him in general. Like, yeah. I was just as happy to see him in this as anybody else, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like this could have been Tom Cruise again, like the end of days thing. But right. um, yeah, whoever happens to be in it mm-hmm. again with tongue planted firmly in cheek because of how like ridiculous and yeah. kind of, you know, blunt and dumb it is at times. Uh, yeah. Just the like from scene to scene, like plot of the movie I found myself invested in. Oh. Right down to the point where I did not see the twist coming. I didn't remember it from when I saw it all those years ago. <laughs> And I was actually like, oh, shit, it's not the guy he thought it was. (laughs) See, in the beginning, Arnold sees the terrorist. Yeah. And, like, clearly, like, everyone going along knows, like, oh, that's the guy that blew it up. El Lobo. You know, in the next scene or two where it's, like, El Lobo is on the screen, but he's, like, wearing a mask and he's in shadow and he's wearing gloves. So, you know, the idea is that, like, no one knows the identity of El Lobo. Uh-huh. Which is like the craziest scene Because when I'm watching it A, I'm like Well, we saw the guy's face So, you know What are they trying to say here? And then B I was like This looks like it's like uh, They have like sticks on the end Like 
underneath these gloves are sticks through the arms of this jacket and it didn't even look like a person was moving it <laughs> it was like a mannequin or something i was like this is some, something very weird going on so i spent the whole movie being like all right when are they where's like the big reveal i was sure it was the cia guy the whole time yeah, the whole movie, I'm thinking Elias Coteus is the kind of guy I just expect 100%. him to turn out to be a bad guy. 100%. So the, the the twist in it being the wife the whole time, to me, is just, you know, it's still ludicrous. It didn't it didn't make it the experience any better for me, but I was like, okay, I, I was like, that's good, because I was sure it was Elias Coteus as, as well. Yeah. One part where it really does feel like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie <laughs> is when at the end the bomb is in the dinosaur toy and he runs into the room he's like yeah. get out of here there's yeah. a bomb in the room yeah, right. and then he picks up the fucking dinosaur yeah. and throws it up through the skylight yeah. and it explodes above the building i mean that like bit that happened up there with like <laughs> with like her like killing jane lynch in the bathroom and that mm-hmm. whole part with the bomb like that would be like the highlight of the entire movie for me because the rest of it i just found so dull yeah even like the stuff in the basement where she's like on the run and he's like chasing her down the elevator shaft. And then, you know, she gets away on the motor. The husband's waiting for her on the motorcycle. They take off and Arnold shuts down some, you know, uh, some uh, like gates underground so they can't get out. And then he starts breaking like the natural gas pipes. <laughs> and he's I'm, using that knowledge of fire, man. Yeah, but in my head, I'm like, is he trying to blow up this building that they were trying to blow up? I mean, what do you think's gonna happen here? I'm like, Arnold, what, what's the plan here? He is still underneath the building they tried to blow up. And <laughs> that's, it's just that's like, a good point. I just couldn't believe when they come back on the motorcycle. I mean, she fires the gun, which makes the gas explode. So this giant corridor explodes. I mean, you basically watch them on the bike get caught in the fire. Yeah. Arnie gets, you know, tossed through a door into the stairwell. And then sure enough, these these two are still alive and not a, you know, there's not a yeah, nick Yeah, they don't on look them. like they were touched by fire. No. And I was just like, come on. I was like, I was just like, I was so checked out at that point. <laughs> yeah, the ending feels way more ridiculous than the rest of the movie as yeah. far as like level of action. To where it did feel a little out of place at totally. the end. Totally. But that's the stuff that felt the most like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. For sure. Like and him it, chucking an axe into that guy's chest. That yeah. was pretty good. If it didn't look so bad in CG, yeah, I would have liked it even more. But yeah. if it, it was just more of like that. Because even I was starting to expect, I was like, you know, is this like, uh, what's the Charles Bronson movie? Death Wish. I was Death like, Wish. is this going to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Death Wish? Because I'm into that. But then, like, the whole... It kind the, of is. Like, the two-thirds of the movie, there's just not enough action. Like, he doesn't do anything. If it was, like, commando for two-thirds of the movie and then that mm-hmm. final bit, I feel like it would have been much more enjoyable for me. But just, like, yeah. him, like you said, never shoots a gun. You know, he makes some some improvised explosives and, like, causes things to happen, but... There just there was at no time where I was like I felt like excited by any of the action in this movie, so it just did it did not do it for me. Yeah, in spite of the lack of action, I do remember legitimately feeling at different parts of the movie like, well, how is he going to get out of this? And then being compelled <laughs> to know how, like when he ends up in prison with John Turturro, like oh god, oh John Turturro from the clouds. You know, it's pretty ridiculous how inconvenient how he gets out of it, but he does. And then like the part where. He takes John Turturro's place and he's pretending mm-hmm. to be the mechanic. 
mm-hmm. and they leave him alone with that uh, generator. Yeah. I really did have this honest, honest sense of tension of like, well, how the hell is he going to get out of this? He doesn't know how to fix this thing. Legitimately, that's how like into the movie I was at the time where it was like working for me. It feels like you just weren't having that same experience. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you should have because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and collateral damage. But for whatever right. reason, I think, again, my low expectations from seeing it 20 years ago yeah. uh, helped me in this case. Sounds like it. I mean, because like you said, if this was like Harrison Ford running around, for whatever reason, my lizard brain would say like makes more sense for him to throwing around grenade bombs and stuff. Yeah, because you're not expecting Harrison Ford to necessarily right. get into like heavy fisticuffs sure. where that's what you expect to see Arnold doing. But it's but... like, Arnold, he should be throwing a saw blade through someone, you know, <laughs> or like breaking one neck on the way out before he like hides under that truck, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I feel like it was just like a, a waste of potential for having Arnold. Because I don't think Arnold's necessarily out of his prime in this. You know, he doesn't feel super old in this to me. Yeah, he was starting to look at, like I was saying yeah. earlier, like by this time. Yeah. But no, he's, he still was. He looks capable. a lot different looks wise from like end of days to this one. But I don't mm-hmm. feel like he he was like couldn't handle it. So yeah. then I was just like, wasn't what I wanted from the movie. Yeah, just this, for whatever reason, for the most part, just isn't that kind of movie, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. But And then they just tried, they went overboard that ending for me, so. But, and that being said, like, I like Arnold. It's like the same thing you said. I like Arnold. There's never been a time I've seen Arnold in a movie and he's like one person that was never like, man, I wish Arnold wasn't in that. Or, you know, Arnold was, Arnold was terrible in something. This should have been Tom Cruise. Yeah. Never. (laughs) So it's not even like he was bad, but. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think uh, script wise or anything. It was really uh, on his level for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Another element that I think I liked about this one, because, again, the first one of these three that I watched was The Sixth Day, and I think that movie is just, like, ugly, Mm -hmm. as we talked about. I think this movie looks pretty good and is directed pretty well, and I think that helped with, like, the tension level for me. this does look better. And, I mean, this movie is directed by a guy who ain't no slouch, Andrew Davis, who gave us... The uh, Fugitive guy, right? Yeah, The Fugitive, Under Siege. I thought I saw that somewhere. Right. Above the Law, uh, Code of Silence. So that's uh, Schwarzenegger, Seagal, and Chuck Norris that he's worked with. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford. He made the movie Chain Reaction that I feel like nobody remembers with um, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves oh. from like the late '90s that I've always had a soft spot for. I've never seen that one. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty fun one. Like you know, thriller, uh, you mm-hmm. know, wrong man kind of thing. Very sure. fugitive esque, but with like a little bit of a sci fi bent. Yeah, so, like, I think the movie was made well as well. I think it was just, like, a confluence of events for me. Like, my low expectations, I think it looks pretty yeah. good. I just like Arnold in general. Like, all the all the bits of the movie came into a stew that tasted good for you, where my stew did not taste so good. Yeah. Maybe could have used a pinch of salt. At least. <laughs> More bullets. <laughs> yeah, a pinch of, pinch of ammunition. <laughs> So this movie, I mean, things are just getting worse here because, uh, what was it? End of Days was like a hundred million budget, a little over 200 box office. Mm -hmm. Sixth Day was like 85 mil budget and like 95 mil box office, something like that. This one, $85 million budget and $78.4 million box office. So it actually lost money straight up. And 
I can't help but wonder if that's partially because of when it came out. Because, again, it was like right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk that you can find in all sorts of different venues about how after 9-11, like horror movies became really popular and comedies really popular mm. versus like dramas and action movies, I think. Yeah. It's a tough time. So maybe people just didn't want to see it. Yeah. So it's possible that, you know, it just people didn't like it, but it's also possible that the box office was hurt by like poor attendance and things. Yeah, for sure. I was a little surprised because this movie is kind of ham-fisted. Roger Ebert and uh, Gene Siskel, two thumbs up on this one. Oh, that's surprising. I was very surprised to yeah. see that. I actually, um, uh, like as I was preparing to watch the movies for this episode, I happened to be in the Dollar General down the street and <laughs> found a copy of this movie mm-hmm. for five bucks. And yeah, right on the cover, Siskel and Ebert, two thumbs up. And I was like, really this? Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I did, after watching this too, I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, God, I just did not like that. I was like, how much, am I just like a square? Like how, what, where, where's the consensus on this? And it is like 19% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. Consensus on this and the sixth day and end of days, uh, all I think are all low. pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's again that's that's the whole theme of this episode was this was an era of his career mm-hmm. where like I think Terminator Three probably did well box office wise but most people do not look back fondly on that movie and if they do it's mainly the ending like the dark ending that people mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah that one's rough but uh, I mean th- those those four we just named were his last four yeah. movies before mm-hmm. he. Aside from he had like a part in Around the World in 80 Days or something with Jackie Chan, like some kind of adventure family movie. But Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, funny. I don't know. I guess that brings a full circle. Like that's that's why we watched them because these are not very appreciated <laughs> Arnold movies, mm-hmm. whether they deserve appreciation or not. Seriously. Uh, oh, the one other <laughs> fun thing about this movie. Uh, I've actually heard this guy tell this story. Um before Bill Hader like made it in the film business, he was like working in Hollywood as a PA, mm. and he was Arnold Schwarzenegger's personal assistant on this movie. No way, that's yeah. Funny. He's not listed in the credits or anything, but he's told the story on like you know late night talk show segments and stuff about like you know basically getting coffee for Arnold and shit like that <laughs> on this funny. movie. Nice. So yeah, uh, yeah, man. I think we should move on to some uh, posters. Posty time. So end of days. This is just this. I'm going to say the the three of them are just like all the obscene photoshopping. Yeah. Think of if this wasn't the year before, I would almost think that this was influenced by the matrix. The style of this one. Mm -hmm. It's uh, this is just like throw everything at the wall. mm -hmm. You got a baby. You got the Empire State Building. Uh, somebody walking around some candles. Just like a horde of people. A horde of people. Some face floating to the left of that. Uh, maybe a church window. Someone kind of. There's somebody in kind of a Christ pose. Christ pose. Uh, an odd, like oddly small Schwarzenegger up at the top. Yeah. Uh, it's just dark and dreary and ugly. Mm-hmm. This feels like the intern made it. Yeah, this is your classic just Photoshop cobbled together nonsense. Brutal. Just painful to look at. Just about anything that they could have done would have been better. Yeah, it's just like maroon and brown and gray and ugly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's all there is to say about that. (laughs) Painful, yeah. Moving on. 
sixth day. Uh, it is so 2000. I mean, this is just close up of the actor's face, and then they fucking added some yeah. shit on top of him in Photoshop. Yeah, they they put him in the eye doctor getup. Then yeah. they get his DNA from or whatever. Which, you know, it's not the best idea for a poster, but if they had just actually gotten him into a room and put him in front of that thing, mm-hmm. like the real physical object, you can tell that this was just photoshopped over a picture of his face. Yeah. The background is like nonsense computer readout. Yeah, it's um, that blue color. Then there's a lime green for everything else. This is so 2000. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I feel like there's not a whole lot more to say about it than that. <laughs> are you who you think you are? Why isn't there a question mark on the end of that? <laughs> Seriously, it's just brutal. Yeah. I, I guess mean, one good thing you can say about the end of day's poster is it at least doesn't have like a tagline. <laughs> that's true. It's a great point. Uh, and then finally collateral damage it's just another big face nothing is more dangerous than a man with nothing to lose yeah big face explosion helicopters Mm -hmm. i think the best thing about this one is it says from the director of the fugitive i mean that would excite me quite frankly yeah i mean this could have been anything other than this yeah i don't even know why those are those helicopters even in the movie at the very end, well, like before, right before they come back to America, when they the CIA invades that camp that Arnold's at, yeah, are those the ones that blow everything up? Uh, I, I, I mean, that's the only part that I can remember people coming in on choppers. So maybe, I guess, I love just a random explosion. Some mm-hmm. helicopters, Arnold. Oof. Yep. I mean, I this, say, is a, this is a tough lineup here. I mean, collateral damage at least. I think the color scheme is better. The other two are just, I mean, six days, just two it, lime green and like, yeah, and uh, that blue and that blue is just two, 2000 for me. Yeah. It's like 2003, everything. And of days is just ugly. Claro's damage is everything we don't like about posters, but it's still, I guess just not as ugly as the other two in my eyes. Yeah. I think. I don't, I think of the three, like they're all bad. They're all, yeah, they're just all not good. I don't want any of them on my wall. I think I like the color scheme of end of days best. It like matches the movie. Like the, it's cause that's a very dark movie. Mm. And like I said earlier, there's a lot of like oranges and reds and like the color palette of the film. Mm. So just like to not even focus on any element of the poster to just like kind of blur my eyes and look at it. It's like nice <laughs> color scheme. I don't know. <laughs> I know that that's a terrible, uh, I mean, terrible well, indicator of quality. We do the best we can here, but they're all bad. At least, end of days isn't just a close up of Arnold's face, true. Which the other two are true. Which you know, a bad Photoshop job is a bad Photoshop job, but too many posters are just here's the actor's face as big as possible. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can sort of, kind of give end of days props for not just making it Arnold's enormous face. I guess. I'm I'm grasping yeah, at straws I got, here. I got man. you. I got you. I'm, I'm with um, you. Break it down for the people, Milsey. I mean, I don't even know if there's any differentiating here. I'm gonna give. I don't know. Do I grade on a curve or do I just go with my gut? Go go with the gut. All right. I'm gonna give end of days one severed priest tongue. <laughs> I'm gonna give uh, the sixth day. One of those little glowy orange dots inside the eyelid of a clone. Oh, 
Nice. <laughs> nice. And I'm going to give collateral damage uh, one exploding dinosaur toy chucked <laughs> through the skylight of a government building. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, they're all bad. All bad. Yeah, but if gun to my head, I had to hang one of these in my bedroom. Uh, mm-hmm. End of days is going to be the one for me. <sighs> Oof. It's a sad day right there. Yeah. Man. Well, I'll say the movies aren't the movies are not as bad as the posters. No, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, do you know where you stand on these? I do. I do. Uh, would you like to go first, or shall I? I would. I'll hit. I'll break it off here. I'm gonna buy End of Days. That was uh the most Arnold, the most fun for me. My kind of weirdo religious fantasy action. So that's that. <laughs> Because I have to pick one. I mean, there's a lot I don't like, but I could at least see myself watching Sixth Day again. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be my borrow. And I don't really have anything redeeming to say about collateral damage. I mean, Arnold's fine in it, but everything else. I mean, is you said earlier that the highlight of the movie for you was that segment at the end with uh, the exploding dinosaur and mm-hmm. Jane Lynch getting killed. Which, by the way, we have to get. We have to focus for a moment on the fact that early movie role for Jane Lynch, who's primarily known as a comedic actress, mm-hmm. and she plays like a CIA agent who gets her neck snapped in a bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think, honestly, the best part of the movie has got to be John Leguizamo's rap. Oh. <laughs> it's keep on coming. Bad yeah, news. like interesting cast in this, because you have Elias yep. Coteus, you have John Leguizamo, John mm-hmm. Turturro, Jane Lynch. Oh, yeah. No, they were, there was a... Uh... There's some 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 names for sure, but yeah, man, didn't translate into much for me. So that's my burn. Fair enough. Off to the sun with you. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think end of days is going to be the buy as well, Ooh, nice. uh, which I never would have guessed coming into no, this. No, no, no. I didn't know where you were going to come out on this. Uh, it's it's a movie that you have to put in a lot of work up front, just mm-hmm. buying into the ridiculousness of it and the style of it true true but i don't know i liked arnold's performance in it i like the way the movie looks a lot like i can't say that enough i think the movie actually looks very nice for sure stylistically color palette and everything and there is some bad cg but not nearly as much as like the sixth day totally uh kevin pollack is fun even though they make a weird combo (laughs) yep so I'm giving it to End of Days for the buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably see this coming. My borrow is going to be Collateral Damage, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I enjoyed so much more than I was expecting <laughs> to. I don't hate that. I always had this feeling in the back of my mind, like, yes, he had Terminator 3 as like his last hurrah before he became governor, but Collateral Damage was like the nail in the coffin. Like mm. That was the way I used to feel. And yeah, it's a very kind of tone deaf movie, but I, for whatever reason, was into it. Hey. Uh, over the weekend, I ordered some wings from the the <laughs> local spot <laughs> and uh, had the cat curled up on the chair next to me and just watched Collateral Damage and enjoyed myself. I don't hate it. And uh, so my burn is going to be the sixth day, which I was my favorite going into this based on my recollection. <laughs> You would think because of like the sci-fi aspect and yeah. everything, like clones and yeah. all like laser guns and whatnot would have been my favorite. But this is just, it's like quality wise to me, yeah. 
just visually confusing plot, bad writing. It's almost like an exhausting movie. Yeah, it's just like, it's gross. It's a total product of its time, and that's not a good thing. So I'm going to buy End of Days, borrow collateral damage, and burn the sixth day. Not outrageous. Yeah, I mean, but I think like the last two just boiled down for me. At least, at least there is some like action stuff I liked in Six Day versus none in Collateral Damage. I mean, simple fact of the matter is, I mean, you know me, uh, I the sheer number of movies that I own. Mm-hmm. I looked up after watching it. I, I I watched it on like Amazon or something. End of Days. Like I looked it up and I was like, "Ooh, can I get a Blu-ray of this?" Mm. And so I bought that $5 copy of Collateral Damage at the dollar store. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now have that on the shelf. And as much as I did not enjoy The Sixth Day, I think you can get it for like $6 on Amazon on Blu-ray. And at some point, I'm going to add that to an order on Amazon when I'm yeah. like, oh, I'll just toss something on for a couple more bucks. <laughs> just because there is a part of me that wants to own all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's starring vehicles. Like so it. Maybe it's got some good extras. You never know. Yeah, Maybe. 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 Good stuff, Millsy. I can dig it. Yeah. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is worst in life? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you decide, listener. <laughs> All right. Here we shall go. we find out what we are watching next? We shall indeed. Uh, we have 234 potential themes. 234. Here we go. 92, Millsy. 92. 92. All right. Next up. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, oh, <laughs> next oh. episode of Triple Threat Theater, we are going to get medieval on your ass because that is the theme. Get uh, medieval on your ass. This is going to be uh, an experience. I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> Neither have I. Oh, this is one yes. of those ones where like yes. I came up with this list and it was a case uh-huh. of like, like I talked before, it's almost like Scheidenfreude, but for myself. Mm hmm. I never wanted to see any of these movies, but like, oh, it'd make a fun episode, probably. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, Milzy, is the third one directed by that yes. ludicrous director? Yes, it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, I'm ready. Uh, yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Right, so, right. oh, boy. This is, this should be interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, oh, boy. Until next time, when we discuss the theme, Get Medieval on Your Ass, my name is Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Or should I say... Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit.